This is The UU Perspective with your host, Sharon Merrill. This is episode number nine of the UU Perspective podcast, where you hear weekly interviews from Unitarian Universalists that are changing the world through the stand they take on issues facing our world today and who facilitate making a difference in the communities around them. Whether you are a UU or a seeker exploring Unitarian Universalism, there is something here for everyone. From personal spiritual growth to inspiration that impacts the community, you'll be opened up to awesome possibilities. So sit back, relax, and enjoy the conversations you're about to hear. But before that, I just want to take a moment to say thanks to everyone who is listening out there. We have people listening from Belgium and Aruba and Australia and Mexico, South Africa, the United Kingdom, Canada, and at least 33 states in the U.S. So I appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to the podcast, and I'm hoping that, you know, you're getting some value out of it. And as always, please let me know if there's anyone you want to hear or any other topics you want to hear about. So thanks again for listening. All right, let's get back to it. Today, you're going to hear from Reverend Renee Rohutsky, who has served as Congregational Life Staff in the Central East Region, and she is also the Program Manager for Leadership Development. So have you ever thought about developing your leadership skills? Whether you're a lay leader or just someone within your community that would like to develop their skills in being a leader and pulling people together to create community or creating an impact with a project and working with other congregations. Well, Renee has a lot of free resources, videos, and also there are classes available at a very nominal fee that will help develop these skills. So let's hear it from Renee, what she has to offer. All right. Well, I am thrilled to have my guest, Renee Rohutsky, here with me. And I've already given you an overview about Renee, but Renee, I'd like you to go ahead and let everyone know a little bit more about yourself and what you're doing inside of the UU community. Great. Well, thank you for having me on the show. And I'm really excited to talk about some of the projects I'm working on. Uh, My main focus is leadership development. And this comes out of my own history of being a lay leader in a congregation and being totally unprepared for what that meant. I had been a leader in a corporate setting, but doing so in a volunteer setting is way different. So I was totally unprepared. And back in the day, this is the early 90s, there was a UU leaders listserv. It's still active, actually. And I got so much advice from other leaders on that resource that I it helped me um, be a better lay leader. And so eventually I... Um, followed my call to ministry, and I knew that I wanted to be the kind of minister that helped to grow lay leaders. And so I was blessed to be able to be in the position I am now, which is a congregational life consultant for the Central East region of the UUA, and my main portfolio is leadership development. So I am in a position to help lay leaders. Um, My call to ministry is to help lay leaders to become awesome so that they can help their congregations be both vibrant and vital. So that's what I do. Okay. Now, are you a lifelong UU? 
No, I'm not. I started out being Catholic. Um, I stopped going to church in my young adulthood. And it wasn't relevant for me anymore, and there wasn't any community uh, integration happening at the congregate or the parish I was attending. So I was unchurched until I had my first child. So I went church shopping and um, actually. I, I knew about Unitarian and Universalism um, from being a history major in college, and I studied 19th century American social and intellectual history. So I knew the history of both religions, but I didn't really know what they looked like today. So I walked through the door of my local UU church and fell in love at the first time I was there. I was going to say, what was your experience going in the first time? It was that it was relevant. Um, back in those days, we still did talk back at the end of the sermon. And so the fact that uh, somebody in the pews could have an opinion, I think, was what really um, sold me on my first time there. And the, it was, uh, the, the sermon was a social justice sermon. So, and the music was great, of course, too. We have um, Hal Walker as our, our musician, who's a wonderful local musician. So it was the, the whole package was just transformative. All right. That's great. So... Tell me more about what you're doing as far as um, with leaders and uh, creating programs. What are the programs you have available? So one of the things I wanted to do is have as much impact as possible with our lay leaders. And I realized that um, you know people's time is very limited. Our financial resources are limited. So what I did is I tried to figure out, okay, what can we what do we do in person? What's the stuff you can only do in person? And then what can we do online or through distance learning? So um, I went to seminary at Meadville Lombard in their um, modified residency program, which is now the Touchpoint program. So I did a lot of distance learning myself um, and sort of learned how it worked. So I imagined doing the same sort of thing, but for lay leadership training. So um, what we did is we uh, got a wonderful grant from the Unitarian Sunday School Society and bought a few video cameras. And we've been video recording workshops for, gosh, um, four years now. And we have... uh, uh, Thousands, I think, hundreds at le- or at least over a thousand videos on YouTube with close to 45,000 views for all these leadership development resources. So my hope was to make as much available free or almost free and online. And then when we do in-person trainings, it's all about engaging with the material. It's doing case studies. It's doing small group work. So, um you know, who wants to drive to listen to some person talk at you when you can do that online? You know, when you get together, you want to talk to one another. So that's the way we're trying to set things up. Wow. So are there specific programs and tracks people can take? Yes. We're, right now we're piloting, or actually I wouldn't say we're piloting. We're beta testing almost into um, fully rolling out our online leadership school. Uh, it's, uh, we've just renamed it. It's now the UU Leadership Institute and, um, there'll be a link along with this, this, uh, this podcast. But what we've done is we have, it's almost like seminary for lay leaders. Uh, You know, the way we used to do things is that we would have a 90-minute workshop at a district meeting. And I mean, let's face it, what can you really do in 90 minutes? You know, you can just skip on the surface of a topic. So what we decided to do is take our week-long leadership school and offer it partly online and then partly in person. And so um, what we've done, we have several courses. I think 
we'll have 12 offered this coming fall, fall of 2015, of um, different courses from systems thinking to theology to how to market and brand your congregation to faith development. Um, so we have a lot of different course offerings. And what you do is you go online and you see a, like a recorded presentation, you read a couple articles, and then three times during the semester you get together with other people in the, with the other local churches in your church cluster. So um, for, a sa- for a few Saturdays um, spread out during the, this whole semester. So at those in-person Saturdays, you actually just talk to one another. It's all engage, um, engagement. There's no didactic part during the, the Saturdays at all. So it's, it's, you know, it's what we love to do when we Unitarian Universalists get together is talk with one another. Right. So on those Saturdays, are, are you still learning? Are you talking about what you've already viewed? What, what goes on during those Saturdays? So these, um, we, we took components out of our in-person week-long leadership school and kind of condensed them into the Saturday. So the Saturday looks, uh, there's an opening worship, of course, and then we actually have a credo group, which is like a covenant group or a soul matters group, where um, participants in small groups of six or eight will talk about um, leadership, sort of the spiritual part of leadership, going a little bit deeper into their own leadership formation. And then um, the second half of the morning, they get together with another group and work a case study using what they've learned in their courses. So if I'm taking healthy leadership and you're taking marketing, the case study will have elements that each one of us can bring our learning. And then we kind of learn from one another as we're working that case study. And then the afternoon has a, um, a kind of a full group exercise that engages with uh, contextual things that our churches have to work with, um, how to be more welcoming to people of different cultures, how to be more inclusive of young adults and youth in our congregation, that sort of thing. What have you seen has been kind of the biggest impact so far in creating the courses and seeing people take them? So one of the um, one of our greatest success stories, I might call it, is uh, there's a cluster of churches. I, I won't say where because it could be anywhere. This is a story that's happened over and over again. But there are churches that had split off from one another, and then the church that had split off split, and then that church split off. So there was a history of conflict, kind of, in the past in this particular cluster, and they decided to get together and. Um, leaders from all those churches are coming together and participating in this. And so as they're, as they're talking with one another, they're saying, oh, this is what happened then. You know, this is, we, we had this, you know, small group of people that ousted the minister in this position. And knowing what we know now, we would do something differently. Or so they're, they're healing um, some of those rifts and also imagining ways to go forward together in a, a healthier way that's going to help all the churches in that cluster thrive. It's almost like they're communicating the real story now that they're in person rather than everything that went through their minds to make up whatever it, they thought it was. Right. Well, they, I mean, part of it is you know that there's different stories. Each one of us has our own narrative. And being able to do that um, in covenant, and, and I guess that's the other piece. These Saturdays, the the ethos, the way these Saturdays are constructed. I, I train, I'm not there. That's the other beauty of this, is local leaders are, are leading these sessions. But I work with them, and part of what we want to create in these Saturday sessions, we call them communities of practice. We want to practice being in covenant together, trusting one another, um, being able to be vulnerable so that we can make mistakes and learn from one another. You know, It's the best kind of learning community environment is to trust one another, to feel 
um, safe enough to try something and have it fail and that's okay. And, and then also just to um, not be the smartest one in the room either. You know, part of it is to uh, step up, step back. So um, to really create space for everybody in the room to, to learn. And the thing I really like about this is uh, we've had youth participate in these kinds of sessions. And because everybody brings their piece of expertise from their course that they're taking, everybody has something to contribute to the conversation. So it kind of levels the playing field. There's not one expert in the circle. Everybody has a little bit of expertise. So it's a, you get a little bit of the blind men and the elephant thing happening. Yeah. Do you have specific programs for the youth or is it just everybody together all, all the time? Pretty much it's everyone together. We've, uh, it's set up to try to, you know, make it more inclusive. Um, we offer a specific youth leadership school, which um, enables them, I think, to have more successful stepping up experiences, leading worship and things like that. It's called Goldmine. It's, a, it's an amazing program. So most of our youth go through that. But if um, we have youth that are integrated in their own congregational leadership, this would be a good program for them to participate alongside, you know, minister, religious educator, board member. It's, it's something where any, everybody can get something out of it. And so you were saying that you have trainers. So people are getting trained. How is that happening? I'm actually doing that online. So we get together in a web meeting and I talk to them a little bit. I actually have a theological underpinning that I share with them um, based on process theology. So I give them kind of the, the depth and casting the vision of how I want the Saturday to look. And then I give them mater- the actual materials to use. But they come up with their own worship um, opening and closing. And there's latitude for them to also uh, bring their expertise and gifts into the Saturday. If they have something they can share, they can certainly modify the, the curriculum in a way that uses their own gifts. How long is the training? Uh, pretty much it's just uh, two hours online, and then I check in with them every so often via web meetings or email. Um, so they're, they're pretty well supported. I was going to say, is it specific to uh, certain courses they're going to teach, or is it everybody together getting trained? It doesn't matter what the course is or what? It doesn't matter what the course is. So they're, 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 um, we're calling them peer hosts. So they're hosting the space where the Saturday community of practice sessions happen. Oh, okay. And so they don't need to have expertise. They just need to be grounded and able to facilitate. Oh, so but, guiding each of the, the conversations uh, when they get into the groups, basically, is give, letting them know how to carry out the group sessions then. Right, exactly. They, they help to, and I give them some tips on group dynamics, but we also encourage the participants to take ownership of what's happening also. So we give them tools for, to do process observations. So after they do their case study, they're supposed to take five or 10 minutes at the end of that and talk about how they talked about it. So, um, you know, part of being a good leader is helping your system to reflect upon itself as a system, as a congregation. So there's tools and and processes that we include throughout the day to help the leaders learn those practices so that they can bring them back to their congregations. Okay. What have you found has been the biggest challenge with this whole project? Um, The biggest challenge is that it's complicated. (laughs) There's There's a lot of moving parts in it. So there's the online piece, there's the um, there's there's live phone calls with the the instructors that it, that's part of it. Then there's these in person sessions. 
So getting people's head kind of wrapped around it is is tricky. The name we used to, it used to be called the Hybrid Online UU Leadership Team Institute, which was way too much. <laughs> so which is why we rebranded it. And I actually reached out to the um, the current participants and had them weigh in on different names and things. So it's very much I try to you know it's an inclusive group kind of thing that I'm that I'm trying to create space for, I guess. And you're saying. So I get this straight. You are were the creator of this, right? Right. So I, yeah, I, I was a uh, engineer in my earlier career. So I'm, you know, sort of, you know, the large blueprint and the little detail drawings. Um, I have the kind of mind that can can do that. So I just had this vision of what this would look like, and I actually created a business plan to help organize my own thoughts. And um, I, you know, made little diagram, like mind maps and things of how it would all work. But basically, I, I'm creating the structure, and then we have all sorts of different people who can offer classes in it and take it. So it's, uh, and the other beauty of it is it's really scalable. So I created it as a replacement for our regional leadership school, but we have people um, all over the country that are taking courses, and we actually have a few people in Great Britain who are taking courses, and I've also seen a couple of uh, Quakers that have signed in as well, so it's, it's interesting. We have about 350 registered users right now, and it's our first year. Oh my gosh. Okay, so you've, you said you've been recording and doing stuff for four years. But so you're saying this is like the first year it's really kind of in place? Uh, this is this is a leader. Uh, so we have other resources where we just record a workshop and put it up online. Um, we have a and in the links there's we have a YouTube page which just ha- which has almost everything on it, and then we have what we call an on demand page, which are um, it's a workshop, but there might be additional materials as well. Um, that's free. You can you have to log in because we have some materials that are uh, copyrighted and. Um, we set this up as sort of an educational institution. So in order to provide those materials uh, following fair use guidelines for educational purposes, we have to have a registered website. So that's our on-demand site. And then we have the leadership school. That There's a small cost for that um, just because we have a little bit more technology and software and things we need to buy. And then um, it also covers the, the food for the in-person sessions. So the, the leadership school, there's eight sessions total, and six of the sessions are by the instructor. So those are recorded specifically for the leadership school, and they're done in a sort of an arc, you know, like any sort of college course might be. And then there's a couple of other, um, we call them modules. There's eight modules total. Six are specific to the course. And the, see, this is where I said it was complicated. Yeah. <laughs> the, the two, there's two modules that everybody takes. So those common experiences are used at the in-person sessions. So, so there's a little bit of common um, knowledge that everybody's coming with. But that's based on how can we be more intercultural? How can we be more intergenerational? It's that kind of lens that we want our leaders to be able to bring into their congregations. Okay. All right. Does it feel like it crosses over into any other uh, related programs? Like I think of some of this communication stuff and like smart church consulting and that type of thing. Can they kind of enhance each other? 
Yes, actually, I'm um, working with some smart church consultants down in the southern region, and we are asking a congregation that's participating in that program to actually take our Healthy Leadership 101 course, which would they, they would normally come in and spend a couple of Saturdays presenting that material. So this way, we they can just do that part online, and we can use the Saturday-specific sessions to help them um, work on their particular learning goals. So there's definitely definitely some crossover there. Another uh, another place that there's, I don't know if I want to say it's a, um, there's the Renaissance module program that was designed for religious educators and it's part of their credentialing process. And there's a little bit of an overlap between what I do and that program. And that program is slowly moving to a hybrid online uh, kind of format. So we've been sort of working in parallel. Um, some of the courses I offer, I think will work for some uh, religious educator credit in some way, but it's not really a Renaissance module. So we're sort of two different credentialing bodies, if you will. What about with the, uh, the commission lay leader program, the CLL program? It sounds like something that they could use too. Absolutely. Right. So we have a commission lay leader program in, in two of the districts in our region. And this is, there's definitely courses in that program that commission lay leaders can take as part of their, they have a self-directed learning plan, but um, there's, there's things in that that definitely are helpful for commission lay leaders. And we do have commission lay leaders taking the, taking some of the courses. So absolutely. The other, the other thing I wanted to mention is uh, I talked about credentials. Um, lay leader credentialing is kind of a tricky thing. You know, uh, we credential ministers, we credential religious educators and musicians. Um, and there's sort of a yearning for recognition of lay leaders who've gone and gotten some sort of training or a, a lot of training. Leadership schools often have pins. Uh, Eagles, there was an Eagles Leadership School. You see those pins floating around. Um, Midwest Leadership School has a pin. The Southern UU Leadership Experience has a chalice necklace. So there's like a, a credential. So what we have are virtual badges. So if you complete a course and go to all the in-person sessions, you can actually earn a, a virtual badge that you can share on your Facebook page. So that's kind of our credential, you know, virtual school, virtual, virtual credential. Nice. All right. So who has inspired you in your journey as a UU? I have been inspired by different lay leaders that I've encountered over the years. I mean, I've been inspired by ministers, too. Um, but there's something about our lay leaders who are so committed to the faith and grounded and are able to have the big picture in mind. So one, one person that comes to mind is Denny Davidoff. Uh, she was moderator of the, of the UUA uh, several years ago. I saw her in action at a general assembly, my first general assembly in Cleveland. And I was amazed at how deftly she was able to quell dysfunction in the system and get people to, you know, follow the democratic process in a way that was generative rather than destructive. And um, I saw her in another, uh, 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 I served on the Meadville Lombard Board of Trustees as a student member, and we were um, having a, I don't remember exactly what the discussion was about, but she kind of paused and encouraged everybody else to pause and say, let's just trust the process. Let's trust all of us being our best selves you know, with our best intentions, with this vision of where we're going, and let's just trust the process. And for me, that was one of the most, um, I still get goosebumps when I think about that, because, you know, she had her own presence that did that, but she reminded us about what's the basis of our faith. 
So for me, you know, I want our lay leaders to be able to have that depth of connection. Um, and and this, the thing is, you know, we have seminaries for ministers and we have Renaissance modules for religious educators, but I want lay leaders to have that exact same ability to go deep into their own theological understanding and to be able to articulate that in their leadership. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, and it sounds like, obviously, that has helped guided you through with this whole project. I mean, you can see it inside of that. Yes, yes, that's, that's it. And part of it is, you know, I keep going back... Um, I keep going back to the well, if you if you will. It's easy to get caught up in the details, but there's that spiritual practice of going back and reminding myself what I'm doing, and you know, going. It's it's and in the training. That's why I talk about the theology because I have to remind myself as well as to um, kind of cast that vision for the the peer host that I'm training. So it's a renewal of my own spirit as I'm doing this work with others. I was going to say, what's been the biggest impact on you doing this? I think, I think it's, tr- I, I had this vision and trust of this being able to work and watching it work. And it's not just me, you know, it's, I mean, I sort of set it in motion, but it's, it's like raising your children, you know, you give them values, you, you know, you sort of set them on the path, but they sort of find their own way. And there's that feeling you get when, when, you know, others take what you've been doing and and do more with it. And so with me, it's watching the individual communities of practice. Um, They're supposed to do some sort of project or something. So just seeing what they come up with or seeing how they, the suggestions they come on how to tweak things and that sense of ownership and then the recruitment of, okay, we need to go out and find more people to do this. And so for me, that's, it it makes, you know, I, I want, you know, the goal isn't to like to promote the leadership school. The goal is to have awesome lay leaders. So when I see that happening, that's what really you know helps keep me um, energized about the work. Have you seen a huge project come out of this from any congregation? Um, nothing really big. One, the, the, uh, Central New York are planning a kind of a localized stewardship conference. Um, which is a big thing. Another cluster came up with a um, a plan to advertise together on their local NPR station. So there's there's cooperative things like that. We're we're trying to encourage more Unitarian Universalist churches to connect with one another, not to feel like they're in competition. But you know, you know, it's you know, we're not necessarily all going for the same demographic. You know, each congregation can have their own personality. So I think that's the thing I'm really seeing is the lay leaders developing a relationship um, kind of organically. And that was, yeah, it's part of my, my vision for this as well as to provide an opportunity for those organic relationships. It's, it's sort of like um, often when we get together, it's like a uh, match.com when we're trying to force something. And, and this is more like a meetup or it's just lunch. You know, it's people getting together to do something. It's not necessarily to make, friends or to create relationships, but that's a byproduct of, of being there. So, yeah. And, and it sounds too, it's inspiring more of, you know, what Scott Taylor's talking about with the multi-sites too. Yes. Encouraging that, right? Yes. And you're more likely to talk, you know, to maybe have that conversation about sharing, um, financial resources. If you already have a relationship, there's already trust built. Mm Mm-hmm. So, you, I was going to say, yeah. are you putting that inside of the uh, the courses itself on how to work together as congregations to kind of mix and match uh, your whatever um, 
things that you have that you could share? There's some of that um, embedded in some of the courses. We have a small congregations course that when the the uh, last module is about the possibilities of multi-site, and we also talk about it in the branding course. Um, we don't have a specific course on that yet. We might down the road. My my vision is that we'll have staff from all over the country offering different courses and their expertise. And the other thing is that you know even though a course was offered before, we continue to offer it as an audit audit option. So that, you know, once the material's out there, it's available going forward. So even if you missed a course last fall, you can pick it up next spring if you want to. Oh, okay. So there, so things are always available no matter when. Right. It's, it's timed. It's, you know, we, we, uh, the course is open or the, the module's open every couple of weeks. So um, there's a little bit of a, I don't know, it sort of creates a sense of urgency. If stuff's there all the time, you're less likely to do it. But if it's like, okay, the next one's open, it sort of lets you, you know, it turns up the heat on your own um, uh, discipline of, of going through the course materials. Because, of course, it's all self-directed. So if you're interested in a certain particular course, it's only offered at a certain time then, is what you're saying. It's, it's offered during the semester, but it's, it starts in January and then um, the, the, you know, the modules, every couple of weeks, another module opens and then it closes at the end of June and then it'll open again in August and then you'll have for, until the end of December to take it and then it'll close again and then you'll have to re, um, re-enroll. Oh, okay. So it does go in kind of a cluster. You have to choose one to start and you kind of keep going with it then. Right, right. So that's where the depth comes from. You want to be able to go deeper into each topic. Okay. All right. Do you have an, a quote that is kind of inspiring to you that you'd like to share with us? So the quote that inspires me is from Jesse Cavalier, who is a local minister um, who died in 2004. There is no path to God that bypasses your neighbor. Short and simple, huh? <laughs> Short and simple. Yeah. yeah. All right. And then the last question I have that I ask all of our guests is how is Unitarian Universalism as a religious denomination uniquely positioned to serve and impact society? I believe that our faith is big enough to include everyone with their gifts, their passions, in a way that we are called to use them to bend the arc of the universe toward justice. And I think that when we are our best selves, we offer that to the world. Nice. I like that. All right. Great. Well, thank you, Renee. I appreciate the time that you've taken to let everybody know about the program. And, you know, maybe that'll encourage and inspire people to join in on it and become better lay leaders. Appreciate it. And thank you so much. Thank you. I really appreciate being able to be on your show. Yes. All right. Thanks again for listening and be sure to check out the website, uuperspective.com, where you can find all the show notes and all of the links that Renee referred to. There's probably about seven or eight, I believe, that are going to be up on the show notes. So check that out and that way you can develop your leadership skills. And again, you can find us on Stitcher Radio, uh, iTunes, and for all you Android people, check out Podcast Republic in order to get your connections to iTunes for the podcast. All right, until next time, see you later. Bye.